Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tough Talks with Chris Doris and uh, I've got uh, one of my favorite people in the world today as our badass guest. Um, I wanted to show your book, buddy, but I've lost it. <laughs> I, um, I'll, I'll still plug it, but I can't find it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, not even, it's not even for sale anymore. Yes, it is. It's, it's on Amazon. I looked at it this morning. And, uh, is it really? I, yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it really? <laughs> yeah, you still have a book out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we so you, so you got that going for you, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my, obviously, if you, if you can't tell, I know this guy pretty good. Um, we've been great friends, best friends for the last about 15 years or so, and, and colleagues. And that's one of my favorite things about this relationship is, you know, we work together and we play together. <clears throat> we've been around the world together. Question. That's true. Where were you exactly one year and one week ago today? I, I was I was in Cambodia yes, with you, yes. and, and based on the exact date that you're describing, I, I potentially had a, a python draped around my, <laughs> around, my around my neck. Yes, you did. Right. And we were right. eating alligator jerky. Alligator jerky. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Taking a boat tour. You know, I, I still have, I still um, watch those videos all the time. Oh yeah, on on my Instagram account. I mean, that that one week. I mean, if, if people follow what I do on Instagram, they're going to see all this golf instruction, right? They're going to hopefully see some <laughs> some tips on how to be your best on and off the course. Then you're going to have about ten days of just <laughs> tuk tuks, lunacy, right? Madness, like writing tuk <laughs> Let me let me let people know who you are. Okay, <laughs> before we go any further into it. Uh, so this is Jeff Ritter, everybody, and uh, Jeff is from Lanc Lancaster, <laughs> Pennsylvania, uh, where he went to high school, played high school golf actually with Jim Furyk, right? I did. Mannheim yeah. Township is that the name of the school? Mannheim Township High School, the Blue Streaks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> not, much, not, much, not much of a mascot. We're not quite sure yeah, what that is. It's better than the Muhlenberg Mules, okay? So don't, don't complain to me. And then, and then after, uh, after Mannheim Blue Streaks, you became at New Mexico State University. What are they? We're the Aggies. Aggies. And we, we, and we share that moniker with about 20 other schools. Yeah, like Texas. Uh, right. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Uh, you've been a golf instructor all your life. You, golf is, that's one thing that you and I both have in common is golf has been a part of our lives from the get-go. Your dad, right? You know, yeah, you know, my dad was a club pro. Um, I started playing when I was, was three years old. And, and for me, it was always like my mom would get up in the morning and she would walk into my room you know, during like non-school times and she'd be like, hey, you got to go play golf today. And I would go, of course I'm going to play golf. She's like, well, there's one car going to the golf course and it's your father's. So and this is to be like, 6 a.m. because my dad owned the shop. He would open the shop. So I would actually have to go down there in the dark and I would sometimes sleep in the car. I would sleep in the in the back room and then help pull the carts out and wow. do a little bit of work. And you know, I was there all day long until you know it's time to close the shop and go home. So like during the summer months, it was 
6 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. just being wow. at the golf course all day. And um, you know, I cared about my game a lot, and my dad was into coaching and learning about the golf swing. So uh, that's kind of how I got my start in coaching. And when I was 16 years old, I actually started giving my, my first golf lessons at the course. I would play with some of the members, and um, you know, I guess they, they thought that – I mean, I was better than they were, of course. You know, I was pretty young, but um, – you know, they would ask me questions about uh, about their swings, and I would offer help. And then they started asking if we could spend more time. And my dad was like, "Well, if they're going to pay you something, then then go for it." So I started creating, you know, lesson plans and getting really excited about trying to help some of these members at the club. And uh, and back then, I mean, there was no, you know, video readily available. We didn't have all this new technology. So for me, it was like, you know, you know, empirical data. You know, looking at what the ball was doing and trying to figure out. What the club is doing to create that that ball flight. I would take Polaroid pictures, right? <laughs> nice. I would take Polaroid pictures of, the, <laughs> That's awesome. of, of their of their wow. of their setup and their technique, and I would get a a sharpie and I would draw lines. You know, this is your you know setup before and after. I mean, to think about how long I've been in the business is is pretty crazy. So you know, I'm 45 years old now. First golf lesson at 16. When I went to college, I started teaching. Um, PE classes in golf, right? So I had, you know, weekly lesson plans that I had to deliver to 50, you know, hungover students who really could care less about <laughs> golf, right? So it was actually a good, uh, a good opportunity to try and, you know, develop public speaking skills and try and engage an audience, trying to engage an audience who truly does not care at all about it's good training. I mean, a lot of times, you know, when we speak in front of people, it's, you know, people that sign up and they genuinely want to hear what you have to say. But when you're standing there and you're 18, 19 years old in front of 50 people that literally could care less. Right. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's good training. That's good training. Well, you've come sure. a long way, my friend. Yeah. Now you, are yeah. The, now you are on the stage. It's pretty amazing. And this is, I think this is really worthwhile for, for people to hear uh, how you've used the game as a vehicle. Right, and you really have like you. You, I mean, think about where you are now. So you started then, right? And you're just on a lesson tee, and you're a kid, and yeah. you're taking Polaroid pictures, and you're just trying to help people hit the ball better. And now you're you, you've you, you've you use the game literally as a vehicle through which to reach people on a much bigger and deeper level, right? On their lives, and that's so that's this, right? You you are the CEO and founder of the Make the Turn, uh, uh, lifestyle activation program, right? Which is yeah. interesting. Could you could you give us a short summarization of what that even like? Why make the turn? Why is that the name of yeah. it? And sure. what's the point of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, my journey in golf has been um, pretty pretty long and, and interesting one. It definitely wasn't a straight line towards where I am right now. I mean, my my biggest dream in coaching was to one day be involved with with Golf Digest because back then there was no no internet and the only place you got coaching information or content was from, from Golf Digest, you know, so Golf mm. Digest would show up each month and you'd see David Ledbetter and Hank Haney and Butch Harmon and there's probably a handful of coaches that the world would look to because, you know, aside from going to a, a library or a bookstore to get a book that you would read, I mean, that's kind of where golf instruction information came from. So I kind of mm. coveted this, this idea of one day working for Golf Digest and I did end up working for Golf Digest. Um, while I was working for Golf Digest, I had my first opportunity um, just prior, you know, doing some work for for Golf Channel. You know, so the last time I did Golf Channel, um, someone at Golf Channel said, "So, have you ever, uh, you know, 
been on Golf Channel before. I said, yeah, I was on Golf Channel 20 years ago. They're like, 20 years ago? So when I was 24 years old, um, I had a chance to do a a 30-minute show on on Golf Channel. So basically, 30? 20 years ago. 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes. That's with Dave Pelz. Dave Pelz is short. Okay, all right. Right. Wow. So, but my point is, is that, you know, I started off at a young age, I went to college and tried to develop my skill. I got out of college, really had a lot of um, support and good opportunities with some um, relevant known entities like Golf Digest and Golf Channel. Um, and then I ended up moving to, to Arizona and I thought I had this, this big, awesome resume that people would, would um, admire and, and care about. And um, I found that they, they didn't. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I did what every uh, golf instructor tends to do is they, they take their name and then they put the word golf after it and that becomes your, your brand. So I was Jeff Ritter Golf. Mm. Uh, I got a website, jeffrittergolf.com, pretty straightforward. You know, I had this bio where I worked for some relevant uh, instructional operations. Um, but what I realized is that the idea that I had in my mind of, of who I was and what my value was and, of course, you know, the recognition that the average consumer might have really didn't, didn't line up, you know. So, you know, I found a place to, to give some golf lessons. I had one of those little sandwich board A-frame signs, you know. I remember. Um, but, um, but I didn't have the response I was looking for from a business perspective. I was in Arizona. There was a lot of people that were teaching golf. And, um, mm. you know, I got to that point in my life, and this is where this whole story goes, where um, I had my first big oh-no moment. Right, which is like I trained my whole life to do this. Mm. I work for all these great places, which give me some level of, of credibility. Um, and now I'm in business for myself, and I'm not making any money, and I'm not making, um, you know, or living the lifestyle that I that I thought was going to happen up here as a kid, where I thought that if I was going to be able to do things with things with people like Golf Digest and Golf Channel, where it would actually work out. So, so basically, I had a couple of really challenging years, and you know, where Make the Turn came from, you know, it actually started with um, having a mindset experience that really changed the way that I looked at who I was, um, as well as who I could potentially, potentially be, you know, mm-hmm. and if you're familiar with this, and we've talked about this before, but for the folks that are listening to this, uh, I did an exercise called the Genie List, right? And the Genie List was, was an exercise in uh, imagination that was designed to get me thinking bigger than I was currently thinking and or living. Uh, and then from there... Cool. So what is the... Can you just back up a step just say, what is that actual exercise? Yeah, so the genie list is... Okay. Yeah, the genie list is sort of a, an exercise where you get a piece of paper and you write down some categories, you know, personal goals, professional goals, family goals, other, right? Um, and you sit down in a quiet place and you really try and spend a good solid hour or two asking yourself the question, um, if I had my own personal genie mm. um, that held infinite levels of possibility and an unlimited number of wishes, mm. uh, what would I what would I wish for? Mm. So if I could have beer, do whatever I wanted without any restrictions, mm. right? And these restrictions we, we commonly put on ourselves due to our own conditioning or our current belief system. Okay. Um, you know, what what would I be? What would I do? Wow. Right? And and the cool thing that I found in doing this exercise was that there was a ton of stuff on that piece of paper that um, I never expressed before wow. uh, to other people, to myself, um, because it was all an exercise in imagination, right? Mm. 
in you know through your imagination you should have no limitations you know so it was all about breaking through self-imposed limitations and really entertaining the possibility that um, I could have an alternate reality um, to, to pursue to live in right so basically you know you see all these things on this list and um, you know once you see them it's like what do I what do I do with them right and, and a lot of times um, we're, we're able to potentially express that we want to achieve something or pursue something but then we don't do anything with it right okay so the next step in the list was all about you know can I see something on here that is kind of amazing or exciting that I would really 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 love to chase after and then do I have the courage to actually create an action towards it right so so what I did through this exercise is I started picking up the phone and emailing people and you know the end result was you know leading me down a path that I never would have gone on hmm. you know had I not number one you know, done the exercise, and then number two, had the courage to actually act on the things that were in the, within that exercise. You know, and there were things like, you know, doing some big work with some magazines that eventually led to being on the cover. Um, there was another one that was related to a dream of one day ending up um, on the grounds at, at St. Andrews. There was stuff huh. on there about, you know, strengthening my relationship with my parents. There was well, stuff let's about- slow down. Slow down. <clears throat> slow down. Yeah. Okay, because uh, I, I just want to clarify for the listeners. That all of that's become true. <laughs> you've been well, on, you've been co- you've been on the cover of virtually every magazine, golf magazine on earth, <laughs> multiple times, some of them, and you did your book signing on the 18th hole or the the road hole. I guess whatever at St Andrews. Yeah. Well, so basically, yeah. So basically, everything that was the, the list, Yeah. Everything that was on the list um, came true. And that, that, was the, that was the crazy thing. And so basically, you know, what I learned through this exercise is that um, the secret to, you know, what, my, what some people might call success or the secret to, you know, living in an in inspired existence is being able to, mm-hmm. to, to pursue the things that you genuinely want to pursue and believing that amazing experiences uh, are absolutely available to you. And it's not that I didn't, believe that was possible before. I just never took the action to really connect with what I actually wanted. And then from there, you know, move towards those, those desires. So that, what that I, right there, I, what you just said is one of my favorite mantras in the world. <clears throat> move towards. Moving towards. Exactly. And that's really so, what we're talking so, about here. Well, the first step <clears throat> is clarifying, right? You just, so you sat down you, yeah, and this is important to slow it down for people to hear this because you're basically giving some really good advice right now. On you're answering my third question, which is like, how do you practice mental toughness? So you're you're already answering that with a very specific thing, which is the genie exercise to sit down to give yourself some really sacred time, right? To to reflect on one of the most important questions that we blow off, which is, what do you really want for your life? Like, what do you really want? Put aside what's what you think is possible and just get into imagination, right? And then and then move towards. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is that. I mean, I created. I think I see a a a creature. And wait, there's no, that's. I'm just referring to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have some special guests here. Oh that's, my god, I'm that's a real show back there. I wasn't right. referring to your wife as a creature. <laughs> she's a. Uh, she's a beautiful. Penny. 
I know there's a couple of beautiful pictures. I'm lucky to have have them both. That is, that is brilliant. I, I actually never got to it in, in in your introduction because I was going to say so much more about you, including uh, that you have a world class nutritionist uh, wife, Kate, who um, people should definitely check out. Kate's nutrition Kate's nutrition kitchen dot com, right? <clears throat> just just nutrition dot com. And oh, it's Kate. Okay, Kate's nutrition dot com. That's right. Right, right. And there and there and then Puppy Penny, of course, is. Is, is I, I am so in love with that. We I grew up with a golden retriever named Penny, and, and you didn't know that until and uh, when you got Penny and you named her Penny, you told me that I went nuts because I, yeah, I I didn't know that because I didn't grow up with you. No, thank God. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry. Sorry so, to interrupt. I saw a creature. Right. <laughs> so I, so I guess the big the big takeaway is that you know, number one, I challenged myself through this exercise to really write down some things that would be fantastic to me. Right, that were rooted in in fantasy. Right, the things that were totally different and way bigger than the things that I was currently doing. And then I had the courage to to move towards those things simply by making some phone calls, writing an email saying, "Hey, this is something I'd I'd like to do. You know, I think you're someone who can help me. Would you like to have a meeting? You know." And um, every single thing on the list actually came true. It became became my reality. So yeah. the thing that I learned through this, this exercise is really sort of the way things, the way things work. I mean, through our, th through our thinking, through our actions, we create the life that we live in. So basically for me, it was, well, you know what, if everything I wrote down came true, then my challenge every day should be how big can I think mm. and then how fast can I act? Because mm. if my action always ends up, right, in this place that's in line with my desires, then why would I ever settle for anything less than what I, what I really want? And the thing is, it's, well, it's okay. kind of smart to know what you want until you sit down and think about it. Well, that's a pretty big question right there, man. Uh, why would I? Well, look, okay, so uh, speaking of New Mexico, the Gallup industry does all kinds of research, right? And they, they do the polls, the uh, census, and, and uh, also they do, for 30 years they've been doing this the same research study on American job satisfaction. You know the results. It's been the same for 30 years. 84% of Americans report uh, disliking their jobs. That means that they're spending the majority of their life, that means the vast majority of people, over 8 out of 10, are spending the majority of their lives doing something they'd rather not be doing. So you just asked a pretty important question, buddy, which is, well, why, why would I settle? Well, why are they? Why are most of us settling? Why? Yeah, I mean, I, I think because we believe that we have to. Um, we've been conditioned to, I think we've been conditioned to do things that are safe, that um, in our minds produce uh, a consistent and, and reasonable degree of income that allows us to maintain whatever lifestyle that we have, right? Sure. Yeah. And, and I think that when we, when we do that, we're operating out of this belief that we simply can't do more, we can't deliver more, we can't change the situation that we're that we're in, and that's that's absolutely one hundred percent untrue. And mm -hmm. I think that there's this there's this barrier of fear. If I step away from where I'm standing and move towards this thing that I really want, you know, then then somehow um, that safety net that I've created for myself, albeit a false one, is is going to disappear, and I'm going to be left with less than what I currently have. And and I think the big thing that people have to understand is that, you know, it's it's only when you leap, right, that the net actually 
actually appears. It's only when you start moving uh, towards what you want that the, the path presents itself. Hmm. And the thing that I found that's is that... That's powerful right there. That's a powerful statement. Okay, yeah, that's a big deal because like, so what you're talking about is, um, is what I consider to be the number one obstacle that people come up against in terms of creating their lives on their terms, right? As somebody that's been in the helping professions my entire career, helping people try to upgrade their lives, right? Uh, it, and it's waiting for evidence that it's going to work to move, waiting That's to make the move, right? To move towards, waiting to initiate action until you have some kind of evidence or proof that, that it's even a possibility, which means well, you wait, you could wait forever because of what you uh, just said. The evidence doesn't show itself until you uh, stop needing it and move anyway. And right. then, and then it appears. That's fascinating. That's a big. That's a big takeaway from this conversation, right there. For well, I mean, the how, the how doesn't present itself until you start. I think a lot of people are, are conditioned to try and figure out every single action along the way, mm. right? What's mm -hmm. my strategy going to be? And of course, it's good to have a plan. It's good to have a strategy. But I think people spend way too much time trying to get the plan perfect. Yeah. When the only the only way to get the plan to work itself for you is to throw something out there mm. and, and see what the what the result is. I mean, it's all about let's create yeah. an action and see a result. Let's create an adjustment. So it's all about, you know, just doing something, doing anything mm. that's in the direction of what you want. And yeah. then from there, that's how, you know, the creation process. Yeah, well, one of my favorite teachers, <clears throat> as you know, is Deepak Chopra, and he likes to say things in funky, confusing ways, which is fun. Um, and I like to, to dumb it all down. <laughs> But his, one of his uh, mantras is, uh, inherent within your desires are the mechanics for their own fulfillment, right? Inherent within your desires are the mechanics for their own fulfillment. And my, the Chris Doris South Jersey uh, Philly dumbed down version is, the how is in the what. Sure. Right? So yeah. what you're saying here <clears throat> is that, that the mechanics or the, the how are only activated when you initiate movement, when you move towards. That's right. Okay, so, so the mechanics present themselves once you move towards your desires. In other right. words, how it, okay, that, and that, that's, that's a, such a huge deal. I think that's so important for people to learn. Can we get back to the beginning, though, yeah. of this, which is... We came together. Yeah, and I appreciate you, because I did... The question that you're answering for the last hour and a half uh, was, can you succinctly, please, succinctly... Uh, let the audience know what was the make the turn of program. <laughs> yeah. Well, so so basically, you know, I started off as a guy that was just giving golf lessons. Yeah. Um, and then I had this really powerful life shift through through thinking, through through mindset. And um, you know, when you're on the lesson tee, you know, your clients, you know, they become your friends. And, and when you're sitting there and you're helping them hit different golf shots and whatnot. Um, you start talking about anything and everything. So the things that are happening in your life invariably become part of your learning environment. So I started incorporating some of these conversations and in, in mindset um, into the golf lessons that I was, was giving. At, at about that same point in time in my life, I also had a, a powerful experience relative to fitness with uh, Mark Verstegen, a company called Athletes Performance that I'm now known as uh, Exos. But, you know, I, I literally changed um, um, my life from a fitness and a health perspective in a very uh, powerful and profound way for me, me personally. And then, uh, along with all these things happening in mindset, fitness, um, you know, I met my wife who uh, is in the world of nutrition. So, you know, how we think, what we eat, how we take care of our bodies—they all became part of who I was. And then, of course, who I was becoming also became part of my, 
my coaching environment. So um, along along the way, um, I was asked the question: If you could do this whole thing all over again, you know, what kind of what kind of business would you would you create, and and why? And I started to think about it, and I realized that the thing that would be most exciting to me would be to create a company um, that challenged me to be the best version of myself every day. And, uh, and if the things that I were uh, interested in were powerful for me and my golf game, then maybe other people would think they'd be um, exciting for them as well. And that's where Make the Turn uh, came from. So it's an integrated coaching model that um, embodies skill building, mindset, fitness, and nutrition. Right? It's all about helping people get attached to their authentic desires, to um, unapologetically move towards experiences that would be exciting for them. And then to realize, you know, we're at our best when we feel our best, right? And when I say how we feel, it's how we feel physically. Um, you know, can we move in a, in a manner that's uh, efficient uh, and pain-free, first of all, and then from there, uh, of course, the more powerful you are, the farther your golf ball is going to go. But also, you know, how do we feel emotionally? And golf is such a mental game because your success is so rooted in um, your ability to uh, create, control, or adjust your emotions based on results or outcomes. So, so Make the Turn is not a golf program. Well, I mean, I think at the, at the core level, when people come to see us, it's all about, you know, how can I develop the skill um, to hit better golf shots and shoot lower scores? That, that's always who we're going to be, you know, um, you know at, at step one, stage one. But the thing is that people that want more through the game, mm -hmm. right? And so the game is what brings us together. It's right. like, you know, if I have a golf clinic, i got 30 people there, they're all there because they want to play better golf, right? But there's so many lessons that are inherent within the game yeah. that help us not only go low on the course, but also be way, way better at everything that, that we do. So it's all about using the game as a vehicle, right? Right, as a vehicle for, for growth both on and off the okay. golf course. So, so just um, <clears throat> why make the turn is the name. What does that mean? And, well, I mean, I think um, if you're a golfer, you know, the, the, the turn is where you make this transition from the front nine to the back nine. So um, based in golf-based terminology, you know, make the turn um, is, is a common phrase, so to speak, for golfers. But for me, it, it means it means a lot more. And I actually did a lot of, you know, reading and research and tried to see where the phrase was used, um, you know, not only as make the turn, but just what does it mean to, to turn or create a turn? And... Um, Basically, I came up with this idea that the turn is when something that is, is ordinary um, shifts into something that's extraordinary, right? Um, and I really liked that, oh. that idea of, of taking, you know, the life that we currently live. And many of us believe that we are living a very ordinary life, you know, relative to you know, the people that we read about um, or see on TV or hear about. Um, but the, the reality is, is that we can all be the creators of whatever life that we want to live, right? And the only way you're going to do that um, is being clear with what you want, having the courage to move towards that, um, and then having a team of support or some systems and discipline um, that allow you to stay the course and, and really embrace this, this journey that you're on. And these are the things that I love talking about in a golf-inspired setting. Um, yeah. I love the opportunity to connect with a golfer uh, in a very common way relative to just hitting a better golf shot, but then have it turn into something entirely different where they feel like, you know what, not only hitting the ball better, 
but I really feel like I've learned something today um, that can really help me profoundly in ways that I wasn't expecting when I walked in the door. Okay. So as a, um, as a golf guy, but as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, as a public speaker, uh, as a husband, um, what does, how would you, how would you succinctly, <laughs> if that's possible, get the wrong guy for this. I know, clearly. <laughs> uh, define, assume that people listening right now, just operate from the assumption, it's, it's, it's not a true assumption, it's a false assumption, but for the sake of clarity, operate from the assumption that um, people are watching this because they're curious to know, so what does this guy think? Like, mental toughness could be defined differently, like, just like the word reality, what's realistic could be defined differently by every single person you'd ask. So yeah. what's, what's your definition of mental toughness? I think for me, mental toughness is understanding that how you think literally creates your entire uh, existence, your ability to be happy, your ability to, to achieve or, or, or do anything. It, it all starts with your mind. And, and, and I would okay. say is that um, when, you're, when you're mentally tough, you understand that. Um, and you also are actively choosing to only use your mind in ways that help you have, be, or do the things that, that you want. I love that. So let's leave it, let's wrap it up with some, some practical stuff. What would you, what do, how do you practice strengthening your mind? For me, um, everything comes down to awareness, right? Being aware of what I'm thinking, how it's making me feel, and how it's influencing my, my actions. And I think that all of us are, are manically going through the world at a very fast pace. Um, and we always feel like not much is under our control. But the thing is, is that how we uh, respond and interpret to the things that are happening in our lives, that's entirely up, up to us. So what I do on a continual basis, and mm. this is something that takes all kinds of practice, is that I'm always trying to be aware of what I'm thinking, and then having that internal dialogue where I ask myself the question, is what I'm thinking now uh, uh, helping me, right? Mm. And is what I'm thinking now even true or, or not? You know, you know, I think a lot of times we tell ourselves a story that simply is not true. And one of the things that happens to me uh, a lot less now is that you know, we all want to, we all want to move towards these things that are exciting to us. You know, I'm trying to build a business. I'm trying to, you know, take care of my family. And throughout the week, we all, we all have these moments of, of stress mm -hmm. uh, or anxiety um, related to, you know, to life in general. And the thing that I've gotten much better at is, is recognizing when I feel stress and then simply being able to make it go away. By, how? By, how? Uh, Tell me how. If you're teaching me how to do that, because I think that's a pretty handy skill. Yeah, yeah. It's it's simply understanding that any stress that I'm feeling, it's all coming from my thinking, right? Stop and that. then asking myself is, am what I'm thinking right now even even remotely true, right? And and pretty much 100 percent of the time, the answer is is no. Mm. Yeah. What I'm choosing to believe in this moment is creating stress, right? Okay, um, so so what you're so I just this is interesting because um, I just had a coaching call this morning with a client, and this is exactly what we were talking about, which was uh, become practicing becoming an a curious 
lighthearted but curious observer of the activity of your mind. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying, right? Because uh, we get so caught up in our thoughts that we don't separate ourselves from that. And if we're feeling anxious, we feel like we're in this anxiety thing versus, oh, no, I'm just actually misusing my mind right now. That's all this is, right? So it's like it's so powerful to remember that we have a mind, but we are not our minds. We have thoughts, but we're not those thoughts. So I can detach and just observe. Uh, so what I'm hearing you say is, is, is this is really sophisticated stuff, this practice, which is watching your thoughts, being a little skeptical of them. Yeah. Not always trusting your thoughts. <laughs> and then, I, I, I'm being in the inquiry, do I agree with this? Is this serving me? That's powerful, man. That's a, that's a powerful practice. And, and well, you started off perfectly by saying, it, because the, the, the prerequisite to even be able to do that is awareness. Well, and the thing I think is important is that, you know, we're all so concerned with, with being so perfect with our, with our behaviors, with our actions, whether it be on or off the golf course. And, um, I've just become very cruel with, you know, when I'm not, when I'm not doing well, mm -hmm. mentally, mm -hmm. I don't get, I don't get down on myself. You know, I just say, you know what, just because you thought it doesn't mean you got to believe it. Mm -hmm. Let's move, let's move on. Yeah, you know I mean, so it's I not like. I love that. Like Hold on. Myself. Hold on. I want to screenshot that. That's a great. I love that. I love that. That might be the smartest thing I've ever heard you say, Jeff Ritter. <laughs> just no, seriously though. Just because I thought it, wow, doesn't mean I, I got to believe it. That's a that's a keeper right there. Seriously, that's, right. that's a keeper. I love that. Just and I don't get down on myself. It doesn't mean I need to believe it. Wow. Yeah, and and, and not getting down on yourself. It's all about being aware of how you're thinking then realizing you have an opportunity to change how you think and change how you feel that can happen like that. And, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, people beat themselves up because they're not thinking or behaving in the way that they should. But the mm. thing is, is that, you know, the mind's a crazy thing, man, and thoughts pop into your head. And I know that we're the creators of our thoughts and sometimes I don't know where they're coming from or why they're being created. Um, but just because they're there, doesn't mean that they have to be problematic and it doesn't mean I have to look at myself in a in a negative way you know so it's all about being aware of how I'm thinking knowing that I can change it just like that and I really had a lot of fun you know sort of like controlling this level of anxiety it's like you know hey I feel the anxiety I changed my thought it goes away I'm like well that's pretty cool and the thing is I think that when people if people can truly understand that they absolutely you know can change how they feel like that. Um, then they have the most powerful tool you could ever have because mm. you know, the, majority, the majority of the people in this world mm -hmm. um, uh, feel um, way worse than they they should. Um, a lot. Yeah. A lot. Right. Right. And um, when I when I share this these mental toughness tools with with junior golfers, uh -huh. you know, for me it's not only about impacting their game, but maybe giving them something that can be really helpful beyond the golf course. What's good? Give me about, one more tool. Give me so you talked about thought awareness, right? Paying attention to what, what I call being below the O line, which just means feeling bad, right? Whenever you're feeling bad, paying attention to it, tracing it back to your thoughts, and then challenging those thoughts or upgrading the thought. What, what's just give me one? What's another tool that you teach, uh, you know, junior golfers, for example? You know, well, we use the O line for sure. Um, you know. I think it, relative to awareness, we, we always do the paperclip drill, right? It's all about okay. catch and replace, right? So the paperclip drill is they tee off on the first hole, uh -huh. 
and they got a handful of paper clips they put in their front pocket, you know, and it's really an exercise in awareness. So when they leave that first tee, their goal is to consciously become more aware of how they're thinking, right, so, as it relates to how they feel, because that obviously influences how they perform. So every time they have a negative thought, they've got to catch themselves, like, hey, right now, I get the fact that my negative thought isn't going to help my golf shot here. I'm going to own that moment, and I'm just going to replace it with a thought that I think could help, you know, a thought that's going to change my mood. So, 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 uh -huh. so, so at the end of the round, yeah, so it's just a paperclip, right? So they grab the paperclip in their front pocket, they slide it in their back pocket every time they have negative thought. At the end of the round, they reach in their back pocket, and they can actually physically count how many times their own thinking was potentially sabotaging their ability to perform. Or how right? many, at least how many of them they caught. Yeah, how many they caught, right? Because you know there were, you know, where there were, and that's this is an important point. There's, there were way more than they caught. Of course, right? Right. But, but, but for a lot of them, it's 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 quite a pile of paper clips, right? Yeah, yeah. Because people people never go through this exercise. So you're having them actually, right? Because they would never they would catch well, none of them otherwise. And this is really important because, you know, in golf in particular, people have been conditioned to believe that when they don't get what they want, they need to be pissed off about it. Hmm. Mm. Well, that happens all day long in the golf course because mm. mm. golf, golf is challenging, right? Golf is, is a life. challenging game. And you're going to – you better damn well be sure the ball is going to go places that you don't want it to go a lot, right? And how you respond to not getting what you want emotionally affects how you're going to do on the next shot. So one of the things that I, that I bring this whole thing full circle with is yeah. we talk about – you know, hey kids, uh, have you ever heard that, you know, golf is this great metaphor for life, you know? And of course, you know, they start kind of like rolling their eyes. I go, hey, I was, I was the same way. You know, when I was a kid, you know, my grandfather goes, oh, golf's a great metaphor for life. And you're like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Why, 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 why are you giving me this right now, right? And I, and I tell the kids that I agree, and, and here's my interpretation of that. Playing a great round of golf is being totally clear with what you want, mm. approaching that shot with total enthusiasm and then being totally cool with whatever the result is <laughs> and then doing the same thing over the next shot, the next shot, the next shot. Um, and that's how you, at the end of the day, shoot this lowest score available to you based on that particular round. Yeah. And I said, you know, golf is challenging, but guess what? Life is even more challenging than golf. But if you can wake up each morning, totally clear with what you want, approach every single action with total enthusiasm, hmm. and at the end of the day, be totally cool with what happened, then you have the best chance of shooting a great round of golf, but you also have a better chance uh, of living uh, a happy and inspired life. So to me, hmm. great golf is all about expecting the world and accepting the results. Right. Beautiful. And I think that, that's, living that's a great life thing. is all about the same thing. Amen to that, brother. That, well said. Thank you for that. And thank you for your time today, brother. We're definitely going to need to do this again. We have a lot to talk about. And I think that there's a lot that, that you do um, that would be really handy for people to hear about uh, in, in my audience. Um, so I'll, I hope that we'll, we'll be able to do this again soon. Where do you want people to go to, um, to follow you? You're really active. Jeff is really active um, in a fun way, an informative, valuable way on social, all, a lot of social media. So where are the best places for people to connect with you? Yeah, I, I do a lot of stuff on Instagram at MTT Golf. And, MTT, you know, for me, make the turn. MTT Golf. At MTT Golf. Everything I post, you know, I always try and make sure that it's a value 
to the people that are that are following along. You know, everything that we do from skill to mindset to fitness nutrition, there's some of it that lives there. We're at MTT Golf on Twitter. We're at Make the Turn on Facebook. If they want to check us out um, on our website, it's mttperformance.com. Right on. All right, man. I appreciate your time as always, brother. Uh, thank you. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Chris.